Welcome to Marvelous Disney, the podcast that discusses the most recent doings of one of the more dynamic divisions of the Walt Disney Company, which is, of course, Marvel Entertainment. This is entertainer writer Jim Hill, and my co-host, the amazing Aaron Adams, and I are recording this week's episode on Tuesday, October 26, 2021. So, we are five days out from Halloween. Aaron, do you get trick-or-treaters there at the complex? No, we don't, thankfully. We uh, darken the lights, and we walk on our tiptoes, and uh, don't acknowledge any knocks at the door or anything like that. No. But we do get dressed up, oddly enough. We're actually at the other end of the spectrum. I mean, Nancy and I live on literally a lonely country road. The directions to our house actually include the phrase, when the pavement ends, or the third driveway on the left after the road turns in dirt. In 24 years that Nancy and I have lived together in this place, we have had exactly one trick-or-treater. It was next to our neighbor's daughter. We were ready, and she won the candy lottery. We had bought a bag, and she basically (laughs) took it. You know, the description you give is the beginning of many, many a horror movie. Of where your house, it's like the the last house on the hill or the house at the end of the road or last house on the left. Yeah, there's so many horror stories that start off with that house. It is a significant event when somebody pulls into our driveway. These days, it's typically Amazon or UPS. But yeah, every year we buy a bag of candy and we wind up eating it very slowly in November and December. But Tuesday, November 26th is, is a significant date for Marvel fans, especially those who game, because today... The Guardians of the Galaxy game came out, and this collaboration between Square Enix and Eidos, Montreal, really flew under the radar for quite a while. When news broke back in June at the virtual online version of E3 that this third-person action game took a lot of people by surprise, but you had another reason that this was kind of out of the spotlight. Well, everybody expected it to be uh, a pile of poo, and with the way that the Avengers was received when that first came out, it didn't get the glowing reviews. And so everybody figured, well, if you can't do Avengers right, how in the heck are you going to do any justice for Guardians of the Galaxy? So nobody paid any attention to it. Nobody talked about it. Nobody shined a light on it. It just did its thing in the background. The makers tinkered and they worked on it and then they released it. And then once Mm -hmm. people got their hands on it and some reviews came out and they said, hey guys, this is actually a good game. It got lots of 7.5 out of 10 or 4 out of 5. I mean, a pretty decent score for video games. And everybody Mm -hmm. was then completely shocked. And that's when it ended up busting out, I think, on Twitter. A lot of people were talking about it, about, hey, how come this game is good? (laughs) It's like, well, that is the goal when you make a video game is to make it good. So uh, why are you surprised that it's good? And it's basically because, well, Avengers didn't do very well until they worked on it for another six months after release. And uh, so, yeah, they just weren't expecting anything out of the Guardians of the Galaxy. I'm pleasantly surprised that it is doing well. And now that I've heard that it's doing well, I'm actually going to check it out. So I, I didn't oh, cool. had no plans on it before. Now I will. Cool. Okay. Well, we'll get into some specifics about the reaction to this tactical action adventure game second half of today's show. But first, the news. And as always, the news portion of this week's edition of Marvel Us Disney is brought to you by Storybook Destinations, trusted travel partner of the Jim Hill Media Podcast Network. For a worry-free travel experience, please book online at storybookdestinations.com. And you can book packages to go to the parks, to the resorts. You can also book a Disney cruise line through a Storybook Destination, maybe even go on the Wish, the newest ship of the line, which will have its maiden voyage in June of next year. 
And one of the more interesting aspects of the Disney Wish is its Worlds of Marvel restaurant, which will be home to the Avengers Quantum Encounter Dinner Show Experience thingy. They could have made that a longer name, I think. What was wrong with Avengers? Well, <laughs> I, I, I'm the one who tacked dinner show experience thingy onto this oh, okay. because it's hard to describe. Previously on the show, we've talked about the PIM Test Kitchen out of Avengers Campus at Disney California Adventure. This is the place that serves the freakishly large portions because supposedly the food has been exposed to PIM particles. So, you know, you can get a PIM Nini, which is a... a Supersized sandwich that can feed eight people or provide seating for four. I'm going to have to back you up and just say, exposed to pim particles sounds a mite nasty. Was he wearing a trench coat? Did he flash someone while walking in? Hey, let me expose you to my pim particle. <laughs> That's right. It's a family-friendly show, folks. We're going to try to keep it down to, what, five minutes of bleeping this time around? Is that the plan? Well, or yes. Gonna... We'll, we'll tone it down just a little bit. Only three okay. and a half, maybe. Oh, good. All right. So anyway... Avengers Quantum Encounter it kind of builds on this idea. Only aboard the Disney Wish, you're going to supposedly see the impact that pin particles have on your food enfold right in front of your eyes. In fact, Disney created a first look video that's supposed to show what happens at your table. In fact, I, I'm pretty sure we talked about this, Aaron. This is the video that shows a family sitting down at a table. There's a piece of pim tech in the middle of the table ant-man and the wasp walk up to the table like a waiter delivers a very small cupcake on a very large plate and scott lang touches something on his his wrist thingy and the daughter at the table hits the button at the base of the pim tech and then bang this teeny tiny cupcake is now a dessert that can seat six this week we learned a little bit more about the show part the conceit is that when they go to dinner at the World of Marvel restaurant above the Disney Wish, get as part of their cruise package to hear Scott Lang, a.k.a. Ant-Man, and Hope Van Dyne, a.k.a. the Wasp, speak. That supposedly these two are embarking on a public speaking tour on behalf of the Avengers. And as part of the talk they give, Scott and Hope are shining a spotlight on some of the more powerful pieces of technology that the Avengers use in their line of work. And so over the course of this presentation, diners will get to learn about how Captain America's shield and Iron Man's arc reactor. And, and again, uh, Hank Pym's Pym particles, which again, I really hope doesn't involve a trench coat. Really. <laughs> I painted an image and it will not go away, right? <laughs> it will not go away. And and what what's kind of cool about this presentation that Hope and Scott are doing is that this room will be basically floor-to-ceiling screens. There are hundreds of them inside the theater in the Disney Wish. So they'll be doing things like holographic models of Cap Shield will pop up. And they'll also be showing field reports, which is a nice way of saying these are particularly memorable clips from MCU movies. So it's dinner and a clip show. There we go. Okay. Uh, but then, midway through dinner, Ultron and an army of robots crash the demo. And evidently, Ultron is especially interested in the PIM tech device that's in the middle of everyone's table. Why? I don't know. Maybe Ultron really, really likes big cupcakes. But to get things back under control and literally save the ship, because one of the things they've evidently they've done, they've done this, this built a CG version of the Wish and 
they're now going to, you know, as you're eating dinner, you're going to, oh, security cams out on the main deck and the robots are rounding up the other tourists and moving them away from shuffleboard or whatever. So Scott and Hope call in reinforcements, which is where Brie Larson's Captain Marvel and Anthony Mackie's Captain America come in. On last week's show, we were talking about how James Gunn admitted that he's already working on the Gu- with the Guardians of the Galaxy cast on creating the show limits for the queue, as well as the scene-on-the-ride footage for Guardians of the Galaxy Cosmic Rewind, which opens next year at Epcot. And speaking of which, when we finished recording last week's show, got in the car, drove over to Epcot, and ended up basically at the back of the parking lot. And because they're not running the tram i had to walk into epcot from row 47 of the crate parking lot which again is is to the left and to the back which gave me for about 10 to 15 minutes aaron line of sight on the guardians of the galaxy cosmic rewind building and they're not lying that thing is huge. It looks like somebody stacked 10 Walmarts up on top of one another, and they painted it light blue to try to mix in with the sky, but I could see right away the whole whole, whole six Spaceship Earth's worth of show scenes, and it's now, like... Now, is that going to be more roller coaster, or uh, it's not like the Tower of Terror where it drops you up and down. This is going to be more of a, a roller coaster experience? It is a storytelling coaster. In fact, that's well, obviously, exact- with James Gunn filming all this stuff, sure, sure, sure. But as far as the ride goes, it's on a, a rails and, and tracks, and it goes forwards and around, not up and down like the elevator. Yeah. Okay. The other thing that's intriguing about it is that on the train itself, the compartments that you sit in spin, as in, you know, they can turn to face the side of the track or they can turn straight ahead so you can see the drop that you think is about to kill you or the prop that's getting very close to your face. Okay. So I reached out to friends at Disney to try to get us some exact dimensions and they haven't figured out how many Zendaya's. Or Zendaya? Yeah, Zendaya's. How many Zendaya's long and tall it is? No. Well, I mean, the girl's been filming in Atlanta with the Spider-Man shoot. She's been off on Arrakis at doing Dune for the last... Oh, by the way, Dune got its sequel coming. We just got to wait two years. I should live yeah. so long. Thank goodness for yeah. that. Now, speaking of which, did you see that this past I did. Week it's or the so? best movie I've seen all year. I thoroughly enjoyed wow. it. And I had really, really high expectations. So I expected I was going to be let down simply because my expectations were so darn high. And it lived mm-hmm. up it to and surpassed my expectations. And I just cannot wait for the second part of this movie. They should have filmed them back to back and had mm-hmm. them ready to go. Instead, we got to wait for them to write and produce and film and edit and blah. So yeah, two years. Okay. We'll get to see okay, that. But. but yeah, so we don't know how many Zendaya's tall or long it is. So I no. guess she's got to go to Disney World so they can do some measurements and get an official record of this. Here's hoping that the poor girl can find some time. All right. So anyway, we know that Gunn shot all of that stuff for Cosmic Rewind. I'd have had a production of, of Guardians 3, as well as that Guardians holiday special, which is supposed to pop up on Disney Plus November of next year. Well, evidently the same things supposedly happened while Ant-Man of the Wasp Quantumania was being shot earlier this year. That Peyton Reed film uh, began with some on-location stuff in Turkey back in February, shot some additional on-location stuff in San Francisco in June, and then principal photography of this project finally got underway in the UK at Pinewood in Buckinghamshire in July. 
just across the way at Pinewoods is where the Captain Marvel sequel, The Marvels, was being shot. That Nia DaCosta movie got going about a month after Ant-Man and the Lost Quantumania did, so that would have been August of this year. So what I'm hearing is that while the cast of these two Marvel studios were both over in the UK, that's when Imagineering got Paul Rudd of Angeline Lilly and Brie Larson in front of the cameras and then, then shot the footage that they needed for uh, Avengers, uh, excuse me, Avengers Quantum Mania. By the way, we, uh, given that we're talking uh, for briefly here about Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantum Mania, did you see that image that popped up? today the or, one that you or, can't read yeah i saw yes it. yes couldn't make I, heads or tails of it i just will assume it's in a different language that i don't know how to read and leave it at that yeah it's definitely an eye test and i, what, I just can't, was, was uh the comic sans font not available <laughs> <laughs> i mean if you're going to commit a sin you might oh, as well go with go. The, the original there you go i again in fact i guess we should be careful what we wish for here because of complaint too much comic sense is an option so also, what's kind of interesting about Avengers Quantum Encounter is it will be the very first MCU project where Anthony Mackie's Sam Wilson character will be appearing in now that he's official taken on, officially taken on the mantle of Captain America. I, I want to say there was the announcement that he would be appearing in Captain America 4 for Marvel Studios. In fact, Malcolm Spellman, who was the creator and head writer of Falcon and the Winter Soldier, He's writing the screenplay for Captain America 4. Given the way Marvel works, we're at least two years, possibly three years out. And when we were talking last week about the changing around of the various release dates at Marvel, which resulted in a lot of car horns, we didn't mention there's at least one date that Marvel has set aside for a movie. Uh, this is November 3rd, 2023, that doesn't have a film attached to it yet. So could be? Uh, Captain America 4 gets dropped in its slat. It's almost the same spot that the Eternals will be dropping in next week. All right. So anyway, very first time we're officially going to see Anthony Mackie as Captain America, again, outside of the tail end of Falcon and the Soldier, is on a cruise ship. Next year, the Disney Wish is part of Avengers Quantum Encounter dinner show experience thingy. It feels like all of these guys, in a very sad sort of way, after they've saved the world... Mm -hmm. they have no job, no source of income. So they went to a cruise ship. Are they going to be singing ballads by any chance? Any old uh, Frank Sinatra tunes that Anthony Mack will be singing to pay the bills for fixing up his boat back home with the sister? Is that how this plays out? All very interesting questions. I, I don't know if we actually know uh, which of the dinner shows are going to be presented on the Disney Wish. And by the way, the, the, a lot of this info folk comes straight from the, from the official press release from the Disney Cruise Line, who also made a point of mentioning that there will also be a special surprise cameo appearance made by another Marvel superhero as part of Avengers Quantum Encounter. But Disney Cruise Line has yet to reveal who that character is and so maybe the Sam Wilson character will be singing duets with this character and, and you know, somewhere else. Oh, on the boat later. well, let's see if Sam Wilson's playing like the Frank Sinatra character. Can we get like, uh, no, wait, maybe we should do uh, uh, Dean and Lewis, you know? I love the stories of Dean Martin and, and Jerry Lewis. Yeah, so we get the Winter the Soldier and Sam back together and they can reenact uh, an old Dean and Lewis bit. Yeah. Why, Dean? Why? Okay. 
Disney Cruise Line has yet to reveal who this special cameo character is. Uh, speaking of reveals, I don't know if this has been officially announced yet, but you know that fan event that, that Len and I are doing next month on, on November 12th to the 15th down at Disney World. We also have one of those in the works uh, for 2022 for the Disney Wish. Very first time Len and I have ever done one of these events on the cruise line and should be interesting. Maybe we'll get the group to go to Avengers Quantum Encounter so we can all share in one giant cupcake while we watch Ant-Man, the Wasp, and Captain America and Captain Marvel defeat Ultron or... Sam and this unnamed person do their Dean and Jerry impression. <laughs> Did want to also point out, we were talking about Ultron. Uh, James Spader is not coming back. Boo! I don't care who replaces him. Boo to that. James Spader is gold. Why? He is Why? Gold. Why? It's only his voice. Why can't they get him for voice? They have gotten Ross Merquand. He's the guy who replaced Hugo Le Weaving who played Johann Schmidt, the Red Skull, in the original Captain America, the first Avenger, back in July of 2011. So he played the Red Skull in uh, Infinity Wars in 2018, likewise in Endgame in 2019. He was the voice of Red Skull and Ultron in Marvel's What If early this year and did a terrific job. So I would love me some James Spader, but if you can't get James Spader... Ross McCrand is, is a very smart second choice. That said, and we were talking about this at the top of the show, based on how solid the reviews have been so far for Square Enix's uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, it sounds like they can do some pretty good stuff too. And so in a moment, Aaron and I will share what we've learned about this so far about this tactical action adventure game. I think I mentioned earlier in the show that I've just gotten back from Orlando. I literally got off the plane yesterday afternoon and found my copy of the story of Marvel Studios, the making of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, waiting for me. So I have been digging into this two-volume set as quickly as I can, but it's it's 500-plus pages, and it's really amazing. I mean, there's so many stories in here that heard rumors about that they're finally validating. Like just today, a number of folks online were reporting on the infamous how Disney and Marvel and Sony came to terms February of, of 2015 when they announced that, you know, by the way, Spider-Man is now going to appear in Marvel movies or the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And it's like, well, how the hell did you pull that off? It was a lot of money, right? Didn't that get down to just a lot of money? Money did play a factor in it, but it was mostly because The Amazing Spider-Man 2, when it came out in May of 2014, it didn't make as much money as Sony thought it would. And Amazing Spider-Man 2 comes out of theaters just four weeks after Captain America Winter Soldier. So as a courtesy, Amy Pascal reaches out to Kevin Feige. Hey, you want to come by? Let's talk about... Uh, Amazing Spider-Man 3 and, and where we're headed with this. And Kevin said, no, thank you. Let's talk about Spider-Man 1, Homecoming. <laughs> You're not wrong. <laughs> You're really not wrong. I mean, they invited me to a screening of a, is Amazing Spider-Man 2. Those of you who remember the movie, it actually starts off with Peter Parker and Gwen Stacy graduating from high school. And Kevin's like, no, 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 no. You don't you know, it's a huge mistake to have Peter Parker graduated from high school. And so... He wants to persuade Pascal. It's like, look, you got to reboot. You're not using Spider-Man the way you should. 
but he needs ideas. He needs a you know a battle plan if he's going to go in and pitch her on this. So he contacts all of the executive producers at Marvel Studios, and he sets up a secret meeting. They actually hold it off-site at a hotel in Santa Monica to make sure that they're far away from any prying eyes and ears, so this can't possibly leak until he goes to talk to Amy. So it's a two-day-long mini-retreat. They map out a plan for how, over the f- course of five movies, the notion is that you introduce the brand new Spider-Man in an MCU film, and you then, you do a Spidey feature, and then we include Spidey in Endgame and Infinity Wars, and then finally you hand the now, you know, really popular Spider-Man back to Sony. And o- over the course of f- five films, you get Spidey set up the way he's supposed to be set up. And then Sony burns it all to the ground with gallons of gasoline because they want to put venom in there, right? Is that no? I'm jumping ahead on the story. That's to come. I'm sorry. I sh- spoiler alert. Uh, later on, Sony burns it all to the ground trying to put venom in there. Is that- well, it, it's interesting your your turn of phrase here. Burn it to the ground because to pivot to another story that's since leaked out from Marvel. Again, the story of Marvel Studios. It's about how Kevin wanted to kill all six of the original Avengers in Infinity Wars and Endgame. This is coming from Joe Russo. He describes Kevin's original pitch was that it was Toy Story 3, that they're all going to jump into the furnace together. (laughs) And it was like the the Russo brothers push back. It's like, look, there's no possible way to do a story like this that will then take proper time to celebrate each of the Marvel characters. And it would just be cruel to do this to the fans. Well, it'd make the storytelling incredibly hard because the first half is Avengers Infinity War, and then the second movie would have to be called The Leftovers Endgame. <laughs> like, who the hell's left on the team? Hey, we've got uh, Ant-Man, you up for this? No, he's still stuck mm-hmm. in quantum wherever. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see, who, who else would have been available? Because, I mean, there just wasn't that many characters left. They killed a whole bunch of them. I don't see how they could have gotten to Endgame without a couple of Avengers to recall what the hell happened during Infinity War. Otherwise, you got to play catch up with all the other characters and go, oh, by the way, all these characters died. Now, can you think of a way to do time travel? And without (laughs) having Tony Stark the brains and uh, Mm -hmm. Pym with his tech, I mean, you're really painting yourself into a corner. Yeah, but again, you got to give Joe and Anthony Russo credit. That's always an interesting moment when the boss proposes something that's really stupid. And you got to figure the, the polite, tactful way to, that's a really bad idea. You call all your friends together, you uh, have an intervention, you say, I don't know what you're on, but you mm. need to stop. <laughs> You just need to stop. Is it alcohol? Is it the the wackadoo pills? What do you What do you take in there, Kevin? Put them down. I, we love you. Give us a hug. We'll show you we're on the same side. But you can't kill all the Avengers all at once. If it's Kevin Feige, it's got to be all the endorphins he gets from lifting the giant piles of money and putting them aside as he makes his way to the bathroom. You know that that's just kind of how I picture the the Marvel studio offices. It's like they want to go down the hall to the conference room and it's like, "Oh, we have to move these." You know, it's I'll, I'll give you another uh, behind the scenes thing. A lot of people don't know this. Usually you see this in fictional movies, but when it comes to counting money of that mm-hmm. magnitude, you can't mm-hmm. use the traditional bank counters that <laughs> 
you know, they, they actually mm. take a shovel and they just start scooping money onto a scale and they weigh it and they go, how much is that? Well, that's 500 pounds, a hundred dollar bills. Oh, well, according to the math here, that's about uh, $7 million. Okay. And that's, they just weigh the money. So they, they've got like a guy it, like in the coal mines, he's just sweating and he's got dark soot all over his face. And normally he's shoveling coal into a fire, except it's money onto a scale. That's how they do it there. I know you're joking here, but, but no, to I'm tie not. This, <laughs> that's, that's how I feel. It really is. Okay. Okay. <laughs> to tie this back to, to Disney history, Disneyland opened and they had the ticket books. There were also individual little ticket booths all over Disneyland. In fact, they, they still exist. But this was back in the days where Disneyland tickets were it's like, okay, that's it's five cents to get on that. It's 10 cents to get on that. It's a quarter to get on that. It's the end of a really busy day, and you're in the little booth, and what they used to do back then, it's like, okay, you get a quarter, and you would drop it in a bucket. And then some at some point during the day, a Disney employee would come by and collect the bucket and then take it backstage. And the very thing you, you, you were saying about weighing the money and there were times when the managers of the park would be told, hey, can you hold on to your, your paycheck for a day or so? We want to make sure the hour is clear. But they just got to the point where money was so tight that they didn't even have the time to roll the coins. They would take the buckets and weigh them and have, you know, over time they had determined that, well, five pounds is, you know, that's $70 worth of nickels and six pounds. Well, that, that's 95. Mm -hmm. And then they would run the buckets to the bank and the bank would roll the quarters and the nickels and the dimes and all that. So seriously, there, there was a time in Walt Disney Company history where, in fact, there were people with buckets of money weighing them and then rushing them to the bank just to make sure that they met payroll at Disneyland. So anyway, we were talking at the top of the show about the Guardians of the Galaxy tactical action adventure game that I just Montreal and Square Enix put together. Now, again, I keep using that phrase tactical action adventure. That's because in this game, you play as Peter Quill, a.k.a. Star-Lord, and and while you and the crew of the Milano, these are not the versions of the characters that we know from the MCU. Their the design is different. Their backstory is a little different as well. Yeah, the the Avengers game they did come up with uh, movie accurate costumes because people whined and fussed enough that they were like, did "Okay, really? fine, here's some." Yeah, but they also came up with a lot of very cool costumes. Like they've got a very orange pumpkin colored Iron Man suit, where his mouth is like a jack o' lantern smile. Yeah, that's on fire. I mean, it looks really, really menacingly cool. So, I mean, mm -hmm. I don't pay for the cosmetics because that's the microtransactions where they go, hey, give us a dollar and we'll give you a new uh, Thor costume. And by the mm -hmm. way, here's 50 different Thor costumes. So give us $50 and you can have all of them and then multiply that across all of the Avengers. And then it gets just stupid wow. before we launch into that. One thing mm -hmm. was that the main character of the Avengers game was Miss Marvel. And her ability is rather like Mr. Fantastic, right? She's flexy, she's stretchy, and she yeah, can embiggen, yeah. she can get bigger. Mm -hmm. And yep. so a lot of times in the game, she makes a giant, huge clobber fist, you know, like this mm -hmm. massively huge fist that swings mm -hmm. out and punches things. Now, I've seen in, not the previs, the, the art, the artwork for yeah, um, yeah, yeah. the upcoming mm -hmm. Marvel's film, that mm -hmm. it looks like they're not going to be doing her power where she gets flexy and bendy and big. It almost looks like a green lantern type thing where 
instead of, you know, like where he would make a green giant fist and clobber someone with his ring power, mm-hmm. except it's more prism colored, like rainbow-esque, but mm-hmm. it doesn't look like she's flexy or bendy or can embiggen. It looks mm-hmm. like she's manifesting some cosmic power to create a, a cosmic uh, thing that looks like a fist and punches people. It's it's really weird what they're doing with their superpower, and I don't know if I'm on board with that change, because the video game they did, it looks just fine, and for the series, I think they're doing some radical changes to the character's power, and I just, I'm hesitant, is all I'm going to say. I don't want to say I'm against it or for it until I see what they actually do with it. Right now, it's just previs and and some story artwork that I'm looking at, but um, we'll yeah. see how that comes out in the future. No, 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 definitely. And it will be intriguing to see if for the Ms. Marvel limited series to Disney Plus, whether they tweak the look for the Marvels, the film they're doing with Brie. It's our first introduction to the characters. So, I mean, they've they've tweaked all of our characters just a little bit in some ways. Oh, no, no, so, definitely. you know, I, I can't be completely closed minded to the concept of a minor change. I mean, I'm mm. at least glad that they've got a girl who's uh, would it be Islamic. Is that mm-hmm. the, but is it, is she Pakistani? I don't remember where, what her cultural background is, but I'm at least glad that they're representing a non-white person, a, a person of color, a person from a different place that isn't USA, right? That, mm-hmm. that, mm-hmm. that has a different background. So uh, happy for inclusivity, happy to have a kid that's joining the MCU, right? I mean, it's usually well, just a lot of white guys with goatees, Dr. Strange <laughs> and Tony Stark and... <laughs> I mean, I think, again, to circle back to to Kevin and Amy Pascal, you know, the notion that you create a character who's in high school. Yeah. The brilliance of what they did with Miles Morales. Yeah, yeah. It's a good place to go for a story, because when you're that age, there's a lot of emotions, there's a lot of stuff you're trying to overcome, and no, it's a good place. And it's a lot of storytelling that we haven't seen yet uh, in the MCU. I mean, you know, when you're all adults and you're all very, very serious, you know, it'll be nice to have a different perspective into the MCU. So yeah, I'm all for that. Well, speaking of storytelling, again, to get back to the game here, uh, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, and I don't honestly know Peter Quill's story from the comics well enough to know, are they reverting to something here? Because instead of following the storyline established in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, which had Star-Lord being the son of Ego, the living planet, in Guardians of the Galaxy game, Peter Quill is the son of, it's J apostrophe's son, Johnson? Jason? Uh, Jason? Okay. I think it's Jason. Okay, who is the leader of Planet Spartex. And as for Star-Lord's mom, in the game, she doesn't die tragically of cancer. Peter's mom gets gunned down by assassins who are trying to kill Peter and thus end Jason's bloodline. Hmm. Long story short, do not go into Guardians of the Galaxy the game and expect it to be just like Guardians of the movie. But what was kind of cool about the original Guardians movie is you, you got to see the, how the team came together, how they grew to be tight and, and accomplished a lot. And in fact, over the course of the 16-chapter tactical action game, you get to see the crew grow closer to the team. But you're the one who's playing as Peter Quill and Star-Lord. So it's your decisions that determine how quickly this growing together as a team happens, or even if it happens at all. The game starts with the crew of the Milano, desperate for cash. They decide to break into the quarantine zone, which is supposedly this vast chunk of space that's been closed off after an interstellar war. Like the neutral zone in Star Trek, right? I guess what's different about this one is that 
it's kind of this debris field filled with the, the, the detritus of war. And, uh-huh. and Starlord is sneaking his team into this off-limits off area because they're hoping to find a very valuable beast that they can then sell to Lady Hellbender, who is the Monster Queen. Of course, things go wrong, and the Guardians find themselves being arrested by Nova Corps. Now they're in a situation where they're not only desperate for money, they have to figure out what they owe Novacor by way of fines and that sort of thing. So Peter Quill decides that he now needs to sell off a member of his crew or pretend to, to Lady Hellbender and then steal them back. But which of his monsters, uh, Rocket or Groot, should Starlet sell to the Monster Queen? Because the interesting thing is that decision sends your gameplay off down some very different paths. The other thing is that as Peter Quill, you are definitely the commander of the Milano, and you have to command your crew to do certain things over the course of this tactical action-adventure game and perform special moves in combat, for example. And this is the only way the members of your crew are going to grow and unlock special abilities. And Groot, Gamora, Rocket, and Drax each have four of these that they're going to need to unlock over the course of the game to get you ready for your final battle. Which sounds like a lot of work and sounds kind of grim, but if you read over the reviews of Guardians of the Galaxy of the Game, what's kind of surprising is how how many people talk about how funny this game is. Now, how long did it take to play all the way through Marvel's Avengers? Well, the first time it took like maybe five or six hours because there wasn't much there. But like I said, over the last six months, they've added like a Battle for Wakanda map and they've added uh, Hawkeye and what's the young girl's name that's the female hawkeye uh that's going to be in the upcoming show oh you would say that. yeah well anyway right. she's she's in it as well as a character and so like mm-hmm. they've added several characters throughout that time and as mm-hmm. they do that they unlock different lands and different story elements which adds hours to the game so okay. when it first came out it was relatively short today it may be twice as long just because of the added content maybe even longer i haven't played all of it i'm just taking a stab at the dark and based on what they've shown as as downloadable content so got it got it well basically what folks are saying uh, who've played i guess they they made a a version available for the folks who are reviewing through the cloud um but they're saying on average it takes about 15 hours to play through and a lot of these folks just commented on how much they laughed as they were playing. There's a, there's a lot of evidently really clever interplay between the crews of the, the Milano that they're constantly riffing on one another or ragging on one another. So supposedly during chapters 10 and 11 of the game, there's an extended cameo by a Marvel character that's being described as the funniest damn character in the MCU, but they won't reveal who that is. And... That's, I guess, one of the parts of the press embargo. I would imagine, much like the Harry Styles story you shared last week. That I didn't share that. That wasn't me. I'm innocent. <laughs> I had nothing to do with that. I was only reporting what I saw on Twitter. Uh. There we go. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I hear the SWAT vehicle backing out of Marvel headquarters. Oh, that those is- beeps are not the uh, me swearing. That's the SWAT van backing up to the door. Oh, I see. Okay. There you go. Also, one other thing that definitely will make this game worth playing is that it has a playlist that includes tracks from legendary artists like Motley Crue, Bonnie Tyler, Billy Idol, Pat Benatar, of course, Pat Benatar. Sure. Def Leppard, Blondie. And, and no, they should have included Mouse Rat. Oh, 
from Parks and Rec, that would be uh, for anyone that's not in on the joke, because you know how jokes get funnier the more you have to explain it. There we go. <laughs> Chris Pratt played mm-hmm. Andy Dwyer on Parks and Rec. He was in a band called Mousetrap. Maybe if I would have called it Scarecrow Boat, because that was another one of his band names that he came up with. He had a <sighs> dozen different names, but Mousetrap was the lead one. So I'm going to stick with Mousetrap for the punchline there. All right. That would have been cool. That would have been cool. But um, okay. One final thing before we go here for, for those of you folks who are thinking of getting the game or who are playing it now. This is something that came up in a lot of reviews. It's like, one of Starlord's greatest powers, besides being able to shoot his element gun, is using his scanning visor. And it, when you activate it, it turns the world red, purple, and teal. The purple bits are people. The red stuff is things you don't have to worry about. And teal are the points of interest. And well, it's good to so, see him stealing stuff from Batman Arkham Asylum. Because that was the whole, I, I, now Batman has to be a detective, so you turn on your bat shades and you look for the purple thing and you follow the footsteps and then it leads you to a different place. And yeah, it's a, it was a good game mechanic. I'm glad to see him ripping off other people. I mean, paying homage to other games. Hey, you know, if you're going to steal, steal for the best. Right, and, yeah. and Paul Dini and, and the team on Arkham Asylum did an amazing job. They did. So, if you are lost, turn on your visor. If you are stuck, turn on your visor. If you are bored, turn on your visor. One caution, though. If you need to fire your primary weapon, turn off your visor. Because the two don't work at the same time. But otherwise, visor, visor, visor. Okay. And beyond that, Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy game, released today, uh, October 26th, is available on PlayStation 4, PlayStation 5, Windows PC, Xbox One, and Xbox Series X. And as we mentioned, there was a cloud version of the game made available to play on the Nintendo Switch. And that's basically going to do it for this week's show, folks. I I do want to stress that next week is the Eternals. That officially arrives in theaters on November 5th. Have you been paying attention at all to reviews? I saw uh, it was rather odd, and I wonder if this is a talking point that got brought up Mm. at the screening, because there were four or five reviews that had the word dense in it. Mm. And not dense like, duh, I don't Mm. get it, dense, I'm dense, I'm thick in the skull, but dense as in, there's a lot of material to sift through in this film, a lot of of stuff packed into a 10 pounds and a 5 pounds sack, I think is what they were trying to say in a polite way. yeah, you know, the, well, how many years did, does this storyline supposedly cover? From the beginning of time to the end of time. Thousands of years, I believe, yeah. There we go. So, yes. And it's got the second longest running time of a MCU film. I think only Endgame was longer, so. Now, the first, uh, that what I have heard is it's the first time we'll have a love scene in the MCU. Yes, uh, we're also going to meet our first gay couple. That's also good to have inclusion there. So uh, props for that. Yeah. We'll tell you what, Aaron and I hopefully will get to check that out over the coming week or so. And we'll talk more about that Chloe Zhao film. Uh, Likewise, I I promise I will get further into my copy of the story of Marvel Studios. But again, I get a Marvel fan in your Christmas list. This is you want to really impress them, you can get this. Just be careful. It's big and it's heavy. I have to say, when I w- was down in Florida, I was enjoying what you were posting on social media. Can you tell folks how they can find you on social media? Yes. Go to your nearest pet store, buy a bird, and when it tweets, just shout, at is a prod. And I think that's how it works, right? <laughs> 
I'm not good with all this tech stuff. I'm an audio producer. I'm not a savant of all technology. Again, I'm I'm, I'm a Dixie cup and string kind mm. of guy myself. So you never have to reboot a tin cup and a and a string. You occasionally have to get a new piece of string. Though. So <laughs> uh, for us, uh, social media wise, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram is Jim Hill Media, and over on Facebook is Jim Hill Media News. And I did mention uh, uh, Len and I were down in Florida uh, together recording some uh, new shows for uh, Bandcamp. This is the version of Disney Dish that's only available to the subscribers. Likewise, I think you mentioned earlier, Aaron Drew Taylor. In fact, is that where we sent the SWAT team? Yes, it's his fault that the uh, price increase is going on on the West Coast because they just they can't handle his glorious beard. It is very impressive. I, I think the last time I saw a beard that, that was that long and that handsome was on a cough drops box. Oscar Isaac's beard in Dune is pretty glorious, and uh, Drew's giving him a run for his money. So uh, we're going to have to do a beard off. Between Oscar Isaac and Drew Taylor, and see whose beard reigns supreme. Who wins gets the spice contract? Is that how that That's works? That's right. Or? Whoever okay. has the loveliest beard gets the spice. He who controls the spice has the finest beard. Frank Herbert is not going to be happy with us. I don't know, but I'm sending a bunch of cinnamon over to Drew Taylor's house, so I'm going to go on to Amazon real quick and look up spices. <laughs> Okay, folks. Uh, tell you what, if you could do us all a favor here, if you could head over to Apple Podcasts and rate and recommend uh, the show you're listening to right now, Marvelous Disney. If you want to head over to Bandcamp and subscribe, as I mentioned, Len and I were just down in Florida doing some walks around the parks, and poor Aaron will be editing those in two shows. And I, I just want to go on the record that I am apologizing in advance. I think it was the second day of shows we were recording where, you know, Len said, you know, Aaron has a bit of advice. It's like, what? Look at the mic. (laughs) (laughs) No, I I told Len to make sure that he stuck the mic under your chin like he was trying to make you lick an ice cream cone because he was very close and you could hear him. And then he'd go, what do you think, Jim? And it's like, I think that's great. What did he say? (laughs) I don't know. He was off over on the teacups, apparently, (laughs) being spun around. All right. I, I, I do apologize. So, and I know those shows, especially with all the theme park noise and the crowds. and It doesn't matter. It's a good time. We're not here okay. for the, the puritanical audio quality that I go for. We're just here to have fun. So, no, it's good listening and some very insightful shows coming soon to Bandcamp for just the cost of one overpriced cup of Starbucks coffee. You, too, can rescue one of these poor Bandcamp exclusive shows and welcome them into your heart and into your home. Look at them, shivering, neglected, waiting for someone like you to open your ears and listen to them. For just $5 a month, you, too, can have these Bandcamp exclusive shows. You know, you would bring up the show, the, the commercial with the puppies. I always feel compelled. I mean, that that, that is emotionally based advertising at its strongest. Just dogs shivering in the cold. It's like, okay, all right, all right. I'll give you money. Leave me alone. Those are great commercials for ripping off for like a hamburger joint. I've done a couple commercials where it's like, for just $3 a day, you could have this juicy cheeseburger that's been abandoned by everybody else. I I love mocking those. And especially when the Sarah McLaughlin music comes in and you're really expecting a sad commercial and it turns out it's for a freaking cheeseburger. Oh my God, I have too much of a good time. By the way, I got to write my big boy commercial. I got to go. 
Okay, well, <laughs> good luck with the big boy commercial. And like I said, Aaron and I will be back with a brand new show next week. Till then, thanks for listening, folks. We'll be back soon. That train was thoroughly off the rails. <laughs>